Hello and welcome to At Home with Ashley G. I'm Ashley Gronwald, a real estate agent, mother of three, living in Raleigh, North Carolina with my husband Jed. I hope you'll join me as we discuss all things that begin in the home, such as family, marriage, faith, parenting, organizing, and plus a sprinkle of real estate. I look forward to building a community with you as we navigate the joys of owning a home and making it our safe haven for our family. Because home is where it all begins. Hi everyone, it's Ashley Gronwald with Hunter Row Real Estate and I am joined here with Megan Newkirk and she is a local author that I got um, a copy of her amazing book called Loving Naomi and I just finished it. It was the best read. I so enjoyed it and I'm hoping that lots of my friends and um, listeners will grab this book and read it. And so I just asked Megan if she's willing to come on here and share about this book, about her story, because you've interwoven it through this, um, yes. which is awesome. So why don't you introduce yourself, tell us who you are, um, and then we'll get started with some fun questions. Sure. So my name is Megan Newkirk, and I am a stay-at-home mom, and I went to NC State University and um, never thought I'd be an author, never planned for it, never um, had like aspirations to be. I always loved to tell stories and um, enjoyed the art of creating things. And um, so kind of haphazardly started writing a few years ago and ended up writing this short story that turned into a book. And so, um, so yeah, so I, you know, live in North Carolina, all my family, most of my family lives here. Um, my sister is within walking distance, my parents, my in-laws, everybody. So we love the area and are just really, I'm just super excited to be here to get to talk about my book because it's been a fun journey. So, well, that's awesome. I do love to read, but literally when I got the book, I think I read the first three, four, five chapters, the first day I got it. I was at the playground with my kids and they were like, so sweet. So good. You know, that means a lot to me. <laughs> well, and it was so fun to read. It was like, I looked forward to that time to read it. And so tell us a little bit about it. I mean, it's, I know when I first started reading it, I was like, is this you? Is, is this Naomi girl, Megan, but renamed and um, I let I read a little bit or listened to some videos on your website and it's and you had responded to and I was like I'm just dying to know is this you and it sounds like there's parts of it that are your story and people in it that are part of your story but you were able to elaborate a little bit on some of right. them is that right yeah and actually if I'm being honest I don't think if I'd ever planned to publish that I would have necessarily made it so close to my actual life. Um, I did not intend to like write a memoir. It is not a memoir in any way. Like there's a yeah. lot of creative license there, but I think because I was kind of writing it for my children as a way to explain my own brain, the inspiration for my life just kind of was the, the seeds of where it came from. And, um, but like I said, I'm a super imaginative person. So I was like, okay, I get to take what I know and write whatever I want. And the idea of a blank page to me is like, super exciting, um, which I think to a lot of other people, it's daunting. But to me, I'm like, I can write down whatever I want and see where it goes. And so, yeah, there are definitely like uh, the the thoughts that are in the book as far as the reflection from OCD and, and the kind of thoughts you can have. I mean, there's like millions of ways that you can manifest OCD. Um, but those are very similar to what I struggled with in my young life and still to today um, in some ways. And so that is very accurate. The characters themselves are based on people in my life, um, mm -hmm. but they are, I took a lot of creative license. My brother-in-law likes to joke that he um, 
because he's kind of one of he's he's one of he's the sisters uh, in the story. He's her husband or fiance. And he likes to say that he came out smelling like a rose because he's like, he's like, you made me out to be a lot better than I really am. And I was like, well, it's not, you know, it's not really based on you. It could be. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, there's definitely things that have happened in the story that really happened um, in real life. So I have had many close friends come to me and go, did this happen? Did this happen? Did this really happen? And I'll, I'll go through and go, yeah, yeah, no, that really didn't happen. And then they're kind of disappointed when they find out things that didn't happen. <laughs> I know. I feel like I spent this whole time asking you those questions through, yeah. but I won't because I want people to We can do that, that sometime. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's so interesting. So for people who haven't read it yet, it is a story about a young girl who struggles with OCD and anxiety and how it impacts her relationship with her family, with a guy that she um, eventually falls in love with. And it plays out for her and creates some real obstacles and just personal like turmoil, I guess would be the best way to say it, of just right. dealing with the, what she's thinking and afraid of what people would think of her if they knew what was going on in her brain. Right. Um, and, and so I just want you to maybe speak a little bit into that as we're getting this going of what, what is this, I mean, with someone not having read it yet, what would you share about your version of OCD and maybe Naomi's in the book? Okay. So I would say that, um, like I said before, OCD manifests itself so differently, but the, the cycles are the same. So you have the thoughts, then you have the, um, the anxiety or the panic, and then you have to do something in order to relieve that. Um, and what's so hard with that is that it's not logical. There's not like this logical process of, oh, I think this thing. And so I must do this particular action in order to make the anxiety go away. And so I think um, it's hard because a lot of what happens with OCD happens so privately within yeah. oneself or with people who are closest to you who need to give you the reassurance that you need. And we all need reassurance. We all need to be told that what we're thinking is normal, but it becomes this slippery slope of um, torture, mental torture, that then it it's becomes abnormal. And, um, and I don't mean abnormal in the, the sense that it, you know, people don't like to use it, but like, it's, it's not a normal pattern of thinking. Like most people have thoughts that are strange and then they let them go. Right. Um, and with OCD, it's just, it, it get it hooks in and it can't, can't leave. And then the actions have to follow. And so I think for me, the, the, um, the struggle with uh, just this, this mind on a hamster wheel is kind of what I wanted to capture in the story more so than even the extreme thoughts. I wanted there to be some extreme thoughts, um, but I didn't want to shock people because, you know, people who have OCD think some pretty outrageous things. And I thought, I got to go in a little more gradual. <laughs> can't, mm -hmm. I can't take it to the far extent right away. Um, and so I kind of tried to find that middle sweet spot of like, this is where the brain went for me. It mm -hmm. can go other places for other people. And, um, and so hopefully we'll explain that cycle um, of, of obsession rumination, compulsion, so that people can understand it better. And a lot of what you talked about in the book was Naomi's thoughts of like, like fit, causing violence or 
um, mm -hmm. harm to someone or something, you know, seeing a hammer laying out or what would she do if this baby kept crying? Would she hurt the baby? Those types right. of things. And like you said, it can manifest itself in so many different ways where I'm sitting with my counselor in marriage counseling and my counselor looked at me and said, Ashley, what you do is OCD. And I was like, huh, I'm not offended by that at all because now <laughs> I see it's just an obsession that becomes a compulsion and it's not healthy. And so right. it's become normal to me and my family, but it's not healthy way of living. And it's like you said, the reassurance, and you said that a couple of times, I think through the book of like Naomi wanting reassurance. And it's mm -hmm. like, sometimes that is good. And sometimes that is enabling. And I think right. you even said that in there. And my right. counselor is telling Jed, like, don't enable her, don't reassure her and right. let her keep on that hamster wheel of fear because what, she's looking for is this hug to kind of relieve the anxiety. But right. if you don't face the anxiety that you need more and more hugs and tighter and tighter hugs and more and more reassurance. And it just thing. doesn't stop. Yeah, right. that's, that's exactly right. And I think, I think what's so difficult when you love someone with OCD is that you want to give them that relief, that immediate sense of like, it's going to be okay. It's going to be all right. Like you're going to, you can do this or whatever you're thinking. No, that's not, you know, like I used to have worries about, like what kind of things were on my groceries when I brought them home? Like, is that something that's going to hurt my family? You know, like there'd be a little spot on the bag and I'd have to ask over and over again, like, what is that? What do you think that is? Is that something? And it just, it feeds that forward. And I think learning that anxiety does not hurt you. It doesn't cause any damage. And so experiencing, experiencing that rise and fall of anxiety is, is quite healthy. It's not fun. And right. it, it, it doesn't, always get easier. Sometimes it usually with practice, it does. But the majority of the time, the more you do it, and you see that the world is not going to explode, it it helps to kind of push you through those things. I, I wish I could say that I'd mastered that. But right. I certainly haven't. But yeah, in the book, there's a lot of her um, being fearful of harming others. And that was definitely something that I was fearful of, you know, this idea that when you think something that it has power and that in thinking those things, it makes you that awful thing that you think that you might be like, just because you might think about doing something doesn't make you capable of doing those things or that you even would do those things. Right. Um, and the thought itself is just that, but I think it can be difficult to filter out what's true and what's not true when it feels very, and a lot of times with OCD, there can actually be feelings associated with, I, I don't know if I'm going to describe this perfectly, but there's a, a sense of which there's this emotion that comes with the thought that passes as quickly as the thought does. Mm -hmm. And you can't grasp it fast enough to actually associate what kind of feeling it is. So mm -hmm. then you extrapolate on it and you have to, you have to live back in that thought and you have to try to recreate it. The more you recreate the thought, the more you think it, which then makes you think, I, I think I want to think that thought. Yeah. And it's this feed forward. Um, right that it's hard to catch on to without abruptly kind of trying to break that. But it has to be the person who's thinking those things that wants to stop it in order for it to really get better because, you know, they have to want to be done and right. they have to be fed up with it. So it's a challenge. And I guess the one thought I was having is like with temptation, just having a thought that isn't, um, you know, being tempted in your mind doesn't mm -hmm. make that sin. It's what you do with that. And so, I mean, Jesus talked about that a lot. And so that's something I think that could be helpful to someone who might struggle with this or like Naomi in the book of thinking, I had this 
thought that would I would harm someone. So that makes me a bad person or makes me feel guilty or shame when it's like that is all it was. It was a thought. Mm-hmm. And to not um, let that thought become an, you know, something that you act upon, which now it becomes an area of sin, but it's literally could be just a temptation for a season um, that you manifest differently throughout different seasons of life, I would think for different people. So do you have any idea where this came from? Is this something you found in your own family lineage or is it just unique (laughs) to you? (laughs) Well, I, I think as I've gotten older and learned more about my extended family. I think there is a thread of this on some side, some parts of my family. I think that for me, it was kind of triggered by an event that I had when I was eight, when I had my appendix rupture and I was in the hospital for about a week. And my mom just said, after that, I kind of went from cautious to over the top. And, um, and then the cycles of, so, and they, there is some research that shows that there's some connections with physical, either having like chronic strep throat or, you know, some sort of infection. They, they've, they've noticed some correlations there. Mm -hmm. I think they just don't really know. I think for me, it's just kind of how my brain works. And um, I have a good friend who's a counselor and she was saying they're doing research all the time about analyzing how the OCD brain actually filters, neurologically filters information and that they're just very focused on things in a different way. So I try to look at it as a gift. (laughs) now instead of, you know, and that's, that's kind of what I'm hoping this book shows people is that you can live a happy, healthy, content life with OCD and God really can use it and does use it um, for his glory and for our good. And so when we get a sort of label of any kind, whether that's depression or any sort of mental health challenge that we don't need to look at it as a, as a negative, but God can use those things that it's not impossible. Cause I, I did think that OCD was impossible for God to use. I thought, how can this ever be something glorifying to him? It just, it made, made me, you know, miserable. So I think seeing how God has used it already, it has been quite marvelous for me. Um, in just this short season since the book has been published even. And I guess off script a little bit, I would love to hear, give an example, maybe to someone who's listening. That's like, I'm in the throes of this and Mm -hmm. I'm miserable how could it ever be used as a gift? Now you have the mm-hmm. example of you put your thoughts on paper, put it into a book that people can read and either connect with or now love that OCD person better. So you've created a way of making space for this and helping people understand mm-hmm. it. What about someone else who hasn't put it thoughts like that? Right. How could it be a gift? Right. I think honestly, what the biggest gift for me it's been is it's kept me on my knees. Um, mm-hmm really, if, if I didn't have this, I don't think my relationship with the Lord would be where it is. And so I think sometimes in those hard times is when I really felt the Lord nearest to me. And I think that's true for a lot of types of suffering. And so no, in the moment, it does not feel like a gift, you know, when I'm worrying about, I don't want to make light of that. Um, And I think it's a process. I think everybody, I've talked to lots of people who have OCD who've said it's taken me a lot of years to see how this has could could be something that I'm thankful for in the end. Um, but that's true for all kinds of things that we saw. I mean, you think about this world, like all the hard things that we can right. face. I mean, it's countless. And so how does God use any of those bad things? Right. And so this is just another one of those that you could go, wow, how, how would God ever 
um, make use of it in anything. But I will say that I have made more friendships. I didn't know anybody with OCD. And I have met more people who have kind of been silently dealing with these things or even just mental health in general, but like they didn't feel like they had a safe space. And to be able to talk about it and go, you know what, like it's, this is all just part of the journey of sanctification and and getting to the other side. So um, finding that unity in, because my brain does work differently. And so talking to other people who have OCD and being like, oh my goodness, we think that the same way or having someone who doesn't worry about the same things that I do, but still has OCD. And we, this one friend in particular, we kind of joke back and forth, like, thank God we don't worry about the same stuff because (laughs) we're both like, why are you worried about that? And then we can kind of move through it with each other, but we, but we think about it in the same way so we can identify. So I think finding, finding people who know that way of thinking has been a blessing and I think could be for other people, but it's it's a step out to be able to tell someone this is what I'm struggling with. It's not an easy thing to do. Right. So. Well, that I feel like that gives me a whole lot of hope because I've wondered, like, is this just something that I will struggle with? Like Paul says, the thorn in my flesh that I'll just struggle with. And it, that might be. But it also sounds like there's freedom for people in this or mm-hmm. ways of coping with it. So that would be my next question. How do yeah. you I mean, you're a mom, a wife? an author, what does it look like for you to manage that? Because it sounds like those thoughts or some thoughts of anxiousness are still there. So you, you have to cope with it. How mm-hmm. do you, how do you manage this in everyday life? So my main fear uh, now is, and has always been the primary one that I just kind of has have latched onto is germs. And that's very stereotypical for OCD. It's not that way for, I've worried about every category that you can with OCD. Uh, in some shape or form. But for me, being medicated and having counseling are the two main things that have brought me full circle. So I would recommend that for anybody. And I'll get on a little bit of a soapbox. Like I spent a lot of my young years thinking, well, I'm to be anxious for nothing. The Bible says I'm to be anxious for nothing. And so somehow the the fact that I was anxious was an indicator of how big my faith was or how strong my faith was. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, getting getting medicated and getting good therapy good OCD directed therapy was the best thing I could have done. Um, And I would recommend that for anybody and, and to really attack it from just the practical OCD. Like this is how you break these cycles. It's very practical. And once you practice it, weaving your faith into it isn't, it feels natural. So I would say that for me with the germs, uh, having three kids is like a constant exposure. (laughs) (laughs) So I pretty much like anytime they get sick or we're in a situation where somebody throws up and up, my kids are right there. I have to use a strategy. And I would just say for me, trying to find the middle of like, I'll ask friends sometimes like, okay, is this, is this what you worry about? Like, do you worry about it like this? Or do you worry about it? Not asking for reassurance, but just trying to gauge like where the middle is. Um, Mm -hmm. So that's one way. I think also learning how to walk away from situations uncomfortable, Uh, walking away when, you know, something happens where somebody's kid is snotty and I may not have the certainty to know whether or not we're going to get sick or not over the next two weeks. But walking away from that, feeling that sense of anxiety, knowing that that feeling will pass, that whatever happens, that even if we get 
COVID-19 or whatever it is that I'm fearful of, that God will provide and that I will have the tools. So that's kind of my main strategy. It's not always pretty. I, my poor husband has to listen to me go like, okay, you know, like I'm breathing, I'm grounding myself, I'm doing all those things, but it still feels terrible. And I don't, I don't, I I don't want to lose control of that. I don't like the uncertainty of, are we going to get sick or are we not going to get sick? I don't know. That uncertainty is what, and it's really hard for people with OCD. Uh, Not knowing the answer is really difficult. And um, so that's one way that I have to actively be working in my brain. I actually recently took a trip with my sister to my cousin's wedding and I do not like going to the bathroom in public bathrooms. It causes me a lot of anxiety. Uh, I mean, a lot. And over the trip on the last day, I looked at my sister and I said, Sarah, are you, is your brain tired? (laughs) She was like, no. And I said, I'm just, my brain is tired. I'm just, every time I go into the bathroom, I'm have it, it, it takes me up and then I have to go down and I survived the trip. I didn't get sick. Nothing happened. I, used, you know, all the protocol that you're supposed to use when you within normal reason, I didn't wash my hands eight times, you know, but there were a couple of times where my sister nudged me when I was about to put more hand sanitizer on. And she was like, you're fine. Like, yeah, it's okay. But I think I do notice that there's just a rhythm to it now more so than a decide, like, I don't have to decide anymore. I can kind of roll with it. Um, but it's, it's hard. And I think finding a strategy with a therapist is what I would recommend to others, you know, walking with that therapist through what your fears are, what sorts of things you have to do, and then doing the exposure therapy of putting yourselves in those uncomfortable situations and then having the tools provided by the counselor for how to work through it is the best way to tackle OCD because I've now purposely used the bathroom in a public space since the trip and it felt easier. And Mm -hmm. I, you know, it didn't feel so much like a challenge. It felt more like a, you know, kind of a, um, wanted to prove to myself that I could choose to do it instead of being forced to do it. Yeah. Well, it's so interesting hearing you talk because it's like the anxiety, the roller coaster, fighting with yourself, reassure all those negotiating, bargaining, Mm -hmm. all that stuff I do, but it's not around germs. So it's like, you really can't just tackle what you see on the surface, because that's not going to help. So you've got to deal with the underlying issue. And I mean, as we're talking about this, it's a sense of control and Mm -hmm. a sense of fear of um, like trusting that we are not in control and that God is. It's just so interesting to hear about that because I think to just focus on the behavior, we miss out what's going on underneath the surface, which is our heart what we're dealing with because you and I are struggling with the exact same thing, but manifested Very totally different. different. And so I guess another question I would ask is how do you help people understand your struggle without making it become a crutch? Because I think mm. you could be like, I struggle with this. So now everyone's going to cater to your struggle. Mm-hmm. Which I can do that. You know, mine's exercise and food related. So I could be like, you know, I struggle with this. So I need to be in a hotel close to a gym and I need to make sure we can eat at restaurants I feel safe eating at. And so now everyone's catering to my mm-hmm. anxiety versus being like, well, mm-hmm. no, we're not going to just go there and we're not going to stay at that hotel. So you're going to have to work through that. So how do, can you give any thoughts or 
I think it just takes practice. And then it also takes just loving partners to be able to say, like, I know my sister's taking a brunt of it. Um, and I really do talk about that a lot in the book. And that's, that's mm -hmm. really accurate because it's hard to know where, where does the OCD start and sin start? Like it's this circle of like, what, you know, and also it's finding that middle ground, right? Like the things, and a lot of times with OCD, as well as with, you know, exercise and those are all good things. And, yes. and OCD actually kind of attacks the things we love the most. It, mm -hmm. it goes after, um, these things that are actually quite good, like keeping my family healthy is a good thing. Right. You know, I mean, that's, that's a, that's a, a good way to raise a family, you know? Right. Um, but what, what, how far is too far? And right. so I, I've had to really seek counsel on that um, in a lot of ways. And I've had to go to multiple people of different parts of my life who I trust, who I can say, okay, this is the situation. And you know, this is what Scott says, <laughs> which is usually don't worry about it. And I'm yes. like, Ah! Um, yeah. and then, you know, I, yeah, I will go to someone else or my counselor and say, okay, this is the situation. What is reasonable? What mm -hmm. am I being irrational? Am I being, because I oftentimes don't see it. And there are times where I'm right. And, and, and I'm the first one to say it. Um, <laughs> and everybody has to say it after, but you know, th but then there are times where I will fight it and I'll fight the system knowing like I'm being irrational about this. Um, and I, I do think that for me with the germ piece and COVID, it's been quite fascinating because I actually have not struggled with it. Like people assumed that I would struggle, but I think because I already had mm -hmm. strategies in place, I mean, I always thought germs were going to kill me. So <laughs> like, yeah. I already, I already was worried about it and I already have strategies in place. Um, and so it kind of threw me when everybody started doing things on purpose that I had been working hard not to do. And so it's, you know, it's been a kind of, my brain's been like, wait a second, masks, what, hold on, like, that's not something we've ever had to do before. Mm -hmm. um, and so I think it's speaking to your question, like, I think finding that reasonable uh, space as best you can, yeah. expecting that I'm going to fail sometimes, and that I can still learn from it, just because I maybe do a compulsion, you know, and I make my kids wash their hands when they don't need to it's not a failure. It's not a reflection of my success or my anything. Um, right. And so I think, I think just kind of taking it one situation at a time, it's exhausting. There's no way around it. I mean, getting, getting better from OCD is exhausting uh, or any sort of constant chronic mental pattern that's maybe unhealthy, but it's worth doing the work because the payout and the success and the the blessings that come from that are are worth the effort. But I would just say again and again, like finding a counselor. And if you go to one and you don't like them, go to another one. Um, you don't have you. You're not going to hurt their feelings. You yeah. need to find someone that you can be completely open and honest with, and put all the ugly on the table. So another question I have for you, and I'm thinking for myself too. So I'm hoping that you can share with all of us. My biggest fear is that I'm going to put this on my kids, that mm. they're going to see my OCD tendencies around food and exercise, and they are going to adopt them. And I remember when I got pregnant with my first, which was a girl, and I thought, I have to get this under control because I don't want her to struggle the way I struggle. Mm. And then now I've had a little boy, and now I have another little girl, and I'm like, I have to, I have to, because now my four-year-old is asking questions and noticing and 
picking up on these things before, whereas I could do them and she didn't know the difference. And so yeah. I think I had the biggest like motivator of, do I want this for my kids sake? Or, you know, like mm -hmm. I've got to fight. And cause like you said, it's exhausting. So what's easier to do is say, this is just the way it is. And I'm just going to fight this battle for the rest of my life versus trying to get outside of it and push through and find freedom. So I'm mm -hmm. curious on your end now, you know, as a mom and mm -hmm. just passing this on to your kids. Mm -hmm. Oh, I, I definitely, I remember my oldest was like 18 months old and I was in the habit of checking the oven. Um, I have a blog post about this and I, I would say off, 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 off for each of the, the knobs so that I could know that I, and I had to say it a certain amount of time so that I would know that it was off mm -hmm. and he was not even talking and he just went off, off, off. And he was, you know, on my hip and I was like, that's it. Mm -hmm. Like I, like I have to go back to therapy because at that point I was not actively with my therapist. I was kind of on a break. I thought I'm doing great. Like, you know, we take little breaks every so often. And that was a light bulb moment for me. And then as my children have gotten older, I know we're genetically set up for this. So I'm always on guard, but there have been times where I've had to like, if my daughter drops a chip on the ground and picks it up. And my knee jerk is to be like, don't eat that. Please don't eat that. Like mommy's going to have a meltdown. I will have, and, and if, if she, what, what's gotten to me more than my fighting myself is when she goes, Ooh, I can't eat this mm. here. And I go, no, no, eat it. And I, I, I suddenly get this like mama bear instinct. Like the fear is suddenly not so big as the desire to keep them from being fearful of it. Yeah. So it's like, it kind of trumps it now. And it's not always easy. I mean, there've been times where we've been places like, I think we were at um, somewhere with a porta john, and one of my kids had to go to the bathroom. And I looked at my sister, and she goes, "I'll take her." <laughs> Just out of sight, out of mind. Like no. I couldn't do it, and it was okay. Like mm -hmm. that was a moment that I needed to pass the torch, and it was yeah. all right. So I think, like all of it, it's these it's these little increments, these little installments of. Um, setting goals and saying, you know, this is going to be my exposure. You know, that's kind of the language that I use, like this is going to be my exposure. This is how I'm going to fight the compulsion um, and kind of, you know, letting like letting the process happen and just hoping and praying over them that they won't have the same struggle. And yeah. if they do, then game on. Like I will, you know, we're not yeah. going to mess around, but yeah. Um, but I have, I try not to put them in that box. It's been hard not to when they've had, because OCD is a spectrum that we all hit on yes. at times in our life. And so I try not to put them in the box of like, oh, here we go. Like, right. Know, yeah. And I think like you're saying, I want them to be free of it. And so I think it it's a reminder, a motivator to say, don't get sloppy. Don't get lazy. Don't get complacent and just accept this as your struggle. Right. Keep fighting the fight. Well, I hope everybody goes out and gets Loving Naomi. Awesome Yay. book. Just finished it. I'd highly, highly recommend it. Thank you for your time today, Megan. Thank you. Um, please let me know if you do write another one. Would love to promote it for you. So thank you thank again you. and hope to talk to you soon. Yes. Thank you so much. All right. See everyone. Thank you for joining me today. And if you connected with something that was said, I hope you will share this with a friend, subscribe, and leave a review. Thanks for sharing this journey with me at home, where it all begins.